When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Ash. Hey mate, how are you? I'm excellent, Ash. Um, I'm ready for a big one today. Oh yeah, training derby. Yeah, it's, training ground derby. It's. Uh, I, I feel like I'm one of those players that doesn't go away on international week. I've just been sitting in on my own. I've been playing uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild because I accidentally got into computer games, and now I'm raring to go. I haven't spoken to anyone for like two weeks. That's like Mesut Ozil. I am like Mesut Ozil. I am like Mesut Ozil. Uh, except I had Mesut Ozil wasn't too bad at the weekend. Oh, Mesut had. I thought he had a good game for a yeah. starting position. He had a hand in both goals. Yeah. Uh, he. We know he's not going to track back and do all that work. He tried to at some point. Didn't really work out. But, but, you know, who the fuck is in the team at the moment, right? Who is, who is tracking back? <laughs> no, or, I know. So um, we're, we're, it's very difficult to know where to start because... Uh, I, I've been complaining about Emery for a long time and everyone's like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden this week, it's like an avalanche of statistics from when he was at Valencia, from when he was at Sevilla. Like all of a sudden, everybody's done their due diligence and realised that actually we might have signed a bit of a, a, a kipper. Yeah, it's hard to know where to start with this one, isn't it? And we can, we can say hindsight's a wonderful thing and everything. But I think if you just look at, if you take it apart, I think... The stats tell their own story, and I think let's talk- just let's just look at his stats at Arsenal. Should, 
Should we talk? Um, should, let's talk through some of the um, the more interesting statistics that have been doing the rounds. And my word, everybody seems to have their own little batch of statistics. Whether it is um, his horrendous record um, against top six clubs in Spain, whether it was um, consistently um, like shutting up shop after going one nil up um, when he was at Valencia, a Valencia fan saying he was a nightmare coach over four seasons. One stat that just came out today, um, so this was from a Man United account, the At United Arena, um, probably a brilliant account. Um, they were trying to say that, um, that United's pressing rate is 8.3, um, which puts them as the third best pressers in the league. I think Leicester are number one. Um, Liverpool are, are fourth with 8.3 out. And don't get me wrong, I don't understand what these fucking numbers mean, but... Arsenal's number is 14.71, which, which puts us 19th in the league for pressing. Combine that with like, some of the stories like seeping out of the training ground that Emery's completely taken his eye off the ball when it comes to pressing. That's quite uh, a depressing stat. Then it gets, uh, gets worse. Uh, since Emery's appointment on Monday Night Football, um, we are ranked number one for errors leading to shots. We are ranked number one for errors leading to goals. We've conceded the most penalties. Um, with a, we've conceded, we're, we're number four when it comes to shots uh, uh, like faced on target. And we're 10th when it comes to goals conceded. And again, I know that I've repeated this stat over and over again. Um, when Emery was having his best time at Sevilla, um, he averaged conceding 49 goals a season. He finished fifth, fifth and seventh. When he took over PSG... He took over a defence under Lauren Bronk that conceded 19 the season before. He went to 27, lost a one-horse race to Monaco. And then the season after, he conceded 29. So he has no pedigree for defence. He has no pedigree for setting up a structure that can protect the back four. I've got, I've got to ask the question, Ash, why did we sign this coach? What was the thinking? I don't know. Apparently it was a PowerPoint deck. Look, I don't think... Look, he's got to the places he's got to... Because some, I mean, clearly he's won trophies and he's done something, right? Let's just assume that. Then we've talked about how, you know, we're happy with, we seem to be heading in the right direction at the club with the structure, the transfer policy, all of those things. We talked on this podcast about how we've banked getting into the Champions League next year. And these errors were creeping in comfortably last season, but we've seen them this year and, you know, this season. Burnley, we were very happy with the performance, but the statistics are similar. We actually had, they had over 20 shots of goal versus our something, and it was ours was single digit. Yeah. We just had to score more than them. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the, the mistakes. I mean, Louise has been responsible for three goals and he's only been at the club for four games or five games. Uh, directly, personally responsible, Right. You know, Granite's stepping all over the penalty area against Spurs. Uh, I think you saw the same again. You saw you saw scenarios where we're trying to play the ball out from the back but failing miserably. On Saturday, you saw the direct correlation between that and what can happen. Yet, he carries on doing it in the game. It's like not even hold it back. Do you know what, Leno? Punted out a couple more times. Or, you know, hoof it upfield. We're 2 0 up. <coughs> Away when, from home, we're 2 0 up. And Watford knew that we were playing out. And it's like, all right, if Watford are encroaching a little bit too far onto that um, short new age goal kick that you're playing, play it over the top. 
It's yeah. what Norwich were doing yeah. um, against City. Like, mix it up. If you do the same thing over and over again, teams work out your patterns. But our pattern has been the same all season. But look, when you've got commentators, and, we, you know, we've got some decent commentators that we get where we live. They're the international feed. Uh, they're, they're NBC's own commentators. Ooh, we've got Lee Dixon. Coach, Lee Dixon. Who is there. good. And the definition, you know, literally saying on air isn't the definition of madness trying the same thing again and expecting it to work when it doesn't. Yeah. Lee Dixon was complaining the whole way through. And I, I, I think that you've got a point, like, that we've got to point out here. I don't mind Arsenal trying new things. Like, you know, we haven't seen totally. new things for a while. Totally. But, like, there's got to be a bit of sense behind them. And it's, like, it felt like every time we played a short goal kick, it looked like the first short goal kick we'd ever played. Yeah. All time. The whole way. The players looked like they didn't want to do it. No, totally. Look, here's the other thing. So, was it 70 minutes in, we make the first substitution? Right? We're 2-1 down. They're coming at us. So, is that the time to bring on two attacking kids? Or should it have been... Like, well, how the, obvious was it that the midfield were not protecting the defence in any way? He took off first, didn't he? So, yeah, but he replaced him with... Um, Torreira. Torreira. Was it Torreira? No. Torreira was the second. But, but the point is... Uh, Joe, like Willett. You're, you're, Joe Willett came Joe, on Joe, Yeah. And then you're chasing a game chasing with Reese Nace Nelson. What we needed was another defender in there. I don't care. Move to three at the back. Let Louise play a bit further forward. We know he can, even if he's... I'd rather he committed his fouls outside the area rather than inside the area, if you know what I mean, in the way yeah. that he did. It was... We all saw that coming. How are we... I mean, literally, let's assume around the world, 100 million people watched that game in highlights or live, everywhere in the world. Yeah. It's probably a little excessive, but sure, it's a round number. I think 80% of those people could tell you what was wrong. Yeah. Yet the bloke who's paid the most money to know the answer... When Tom, when Tom Cleverley Tom Cleverley came out in the, the, the Evening Standard, I think he was speaking to James Olley, and he said... We all knew how Arsenal were going to play, but we were shocked that they didn't change their tactics when they could see what we were doing to them. And we'd given Emery credit for this last season, where he had changed it in the middle of a game, or yeah. bought players on that made you know made the difference. But how could you? I mean, you know, short of going back to the disaster against Newcastle about what was that six seven years ago, when you <laughs> falling yeah. up, right? But the um, I just thought the hot and. I think the attitude on the field stank. The, the attitude on the field stank. The attitude in the press after from some of the players, like uh, Obama Yang and Granite Jacker appeared to be in a bit of a war of words. Um, well, if you're Obama Yang, the, yeah. I, you've scored two goals. By the way, neither were easy chances, right? No, that, that pivot, that pirouette. I mean, that's a, the guy's literally magic to goal out of nothing to get us somewhere, Yeah, right? We weren't that fluent at the beginning, that's great. I thought the second goal was when we were playing beautifully. That was a beautiful team goal. It went through 30 passes beforehand. And think, hang on a minute. We're on here. This mm-hmm. is great. This is what we want to see. And then he still has to finish them. That's all great. And then at half time, there's a bunch of dimwits behind him. I mean, by the way, Watford were, they weren't outstanding. This is the team that's bottom of the league. Yeah, bottom. They're bottom. Rock, they rock have bottom not the won a game. They broke a record. They've never had that many shots. They've never been allowed that many shots in a game before. But it's, if that was if we were playing Liverpool right now and having that conversation, you think fair enough? 
Yeah, or Man but, City. But here's the thing, Ash. I think that um, like we we con ourselves because it is not acceptable that a team with a two hundred million pound wage bill allows Liverpool to have thirty five shots. There's something. I know, and we are, you know, but we're all like, well, you know, it's Liverpool. No, 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 no. Unai Emery should be able to shut up shop or at least create a system that totally. doesn't allow teams to constantly walk through their midfield. Now, again, going back to the the stuff that was said after in the press, I, I genuinely I was shocked by Granite Hacker. If you're the captain and that's what you think three minutes after you're off the field, where were you? Where were you on the field? I'm fine. All right, we don't have one captain. We have five captains. Well, I don't really... I think that's a stupid thing anyway. But he knows he's one of those five. He already does. He's wearing the armband on the day. Where is he talking to any of his other players? Shouting at them. Telling them what they need to do. Not want to do. Or anything. Well, he, Even if it's just his own, inspirational. His own positional awareness in the game. Like I'm assuming, I'm assuming that he was supposed to be playing the deepest in that, in that sort of double pivot. And he's floating off to the left... <laughs> Leaving the like well, used an important word there, I suppose. It's like you should know within the three minutes of like of watching a game. All right, I can see how we're set up. Yeah, and you can forgive um, you can forgive Guendozi, but like the the folly of youth, like he's so panicked about what's coming at him that he's dropping totally. into the into and the defensive to line. To be fair, at least he showed a bit of heart. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I, I think that we should I think we should ground the conversation because it's, it's, it's going to be very easy to just rant off about all of the things that are going wrong. Um, uh, like one thing that I wanted to like to talk about was uh, Unai Emery is has been consistently accused through his career of being overly pragmatic, but if you look up pragmatism and what it means, it's the sensible approach. Um, we're, we're being fed pragmatism, which in football terms means boring football, no particular style, do anything for the win. But we're getting like a Kevin Keegan-esque output. So it's, it's, it's bad football. Um, it's not tactically astute. I mean, I don't even know what he's doing in the video reviews. Um, and we're not, we're not achieving any of the things that pragmatic managers achieve. Like, so what, what do you think is going wrong there? Is he a pragmatist or is he just a confused manager. Like, what does he, what, what does he want? What okay. does he want to be? Okay, if you take this apart, right, we know what our defence has to be at the moment because of the injuries we've got. We've said it in two to three weeks' time, that's a different back four. You know, you've got Tierney, Holding, probably Socrates and Bellerin. Uh, would that have made a significant difference at the weekend? Maybe a bit. It's hard to know. Better players is always going to... Yeah, it's definitely going to improve. improve the and then the more they play together, the better that will be. But we had a back four of players who've played with each other pretty much every game this season. Sure, Nacho started the first couple of games, but Kalas Nacho has been on every game, I think, apart from the first game, after the um, the incident with his uh, carjacking. But the there's that. Then there's the midfield. I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows what his midfield should be. Because we tried to play a sort of diamond and, and it didn't really work. And actually, Three holding midfielders. Didn't and work. actually, if we looked at it, there's no standout. I mean, we can argue who can play on the left and who can play on the right and all that kind of fine, you know, all that good stuff. 
There's one thing we'll definitely argue that from an attacking point of view, Gwendozi seems to be someone that should be playing the games at the moment. Fine. Why is Torreira... I know Torreira had been back to Uruguay in the week and that's fine, but I still don't understand the granite thing, especially with the captaincy armband. I, I, I don't think he knows his best system or his best midfield. The attack picks itself. I, I couldn't... Um, I... So you, you see the story, the, the, um, the, the stat DNA company or whatever the name is, they had to convince Emery that Torreira was a, a better bet than a you know, 29, 30-year-old injury-prone in Zonzi. And... I think that Emery uses Jacker in there, not because of his ability to spray the ball. I think it's because he's six foot, six foot one. I think it's, I, I think it's a height thing. I think it's like, but he's the least physically imposing six foot guy from Albania. I didn't think he was. I mean, he doesn't yeah, look like a he, six he foot looks guy. Like, he looks like a coward on the pitch. Uh, but I, I, I wonder. Um, I wonder what the what the true central midfield is, or because we don't, you know, what we need someone who's twenty six, who is uh, like like a decore type midfielder, you know, like a like a, a an athlete, someone that's very strong and someone imposing. Because uh, Guendozi's not quite there yet because he's no, still no, no. a kid. I totally uh, get Willock's that. not there. Both of them will be. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a there's a there's a bit of an experience gap, and then with Jacker, it's just a straight up talent gap. You know, like what, I, I don't think he's talented. I mean, I've always made it very clear. I don't think the Blake's talented enough. No, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like the, a lack of talent. It's uh, that that midfield is crying out for an engine like like Aaron Ramsey, right? Totally. And by the way, this is a guy that Wenger bought and admitted sort of eight games later the boy can't tackle. Arsene, uh, so the, uh, I heard that the story with Granite Jacker was um, uh, we had uh, Kante. There was an option to buy Kante. He yes. went to the training ground and Arsene Wenger and his team of merry men, they, they looked at Coquelin's stats and he was, you remember that season when yeah, he, was he was the biggest destroyer in Europe? Yeah. He was making the most tackles. Yeah. They looked at Granite Jacker's statistics and he was the best passer from the base of midfield, most successful passes. Yeah. And they thought those two combined was like Premier League winning. And, that, look, and then... By the way, at that time, that made a lot of sense, right? You, you can't, predict what's going to happen in the future and if one of the basis for your decision is past data right which it can only be yeah that's a reasonable assumption now the minute it doesn't work you've got to think about it but you don't bank everything on it but Wenger also bought granite jacker if you remember thinking he was a box-to-box midfielder well he's not that he's certainly not that but i don't know who was watching the videos he, he wasn't he wasn't that for um gladback either so well, he only had what one season at Gladbach, but when he was playing in the Swiss leagues. But, but he, here's here's why I, I don't understand the this this curse that Wenger has. It's two managers in a row. Um, he is error prone. Um, he he lacks discipline. He's not he's not really a fighter, um, and he consistently makes bad errors of judgment. And when he's got a defence which is makeshift behind him, you can't afford that. No. So, it, so it's it's interesting, like thinking about what the potential solutions are. Because is is moving David Luiz up when Rob Holding is back? Is 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 that a potential option? Because at least he's at least he's a battler. And to your point, he's. He's struggling. He's, he's struggling like any centre back would at thirty-one years old, thirty-two years old in a new, it, in, in, a new in, a, in a new system with no protection, yep. zero 100%. protection. Of course, I mean, he's going to get wrong foot. He's played with Kante in front of him. Yeah, he's used to playing with Kante and with John Terry next to him. Yeah. And when you've got you know the equivalent of 
probably a championship couple of players. Yep. You know, what's the question? And let's be very clear. The number of players that we've sold that were Wenger hopes that are currently playing in the championship is quite high, actually. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that... Or in lesser leagues in Europe or whatever I, it might be. I think that Emery's in a spot of trouble, though, because you know, this, this is the... you know I think Wenger's spoken about this in the past. You can't put young players into a broken system because they lose confidence quicker, they make mistakes, they get jittery. So it's like, it should be Willock and Gwendozi. And if we just continued that on from the start of the season, yeah, now totally. we're in a situation where it's like, it's kind of forced into this, this exactly. jagger and, thing. And, and actually, did Seth Sunday do more damage to Willock and Nelson coming on in that environment? I think, I think, um, right. for, I think for Nelson, undoubtedly, he looked petrified. Yeah. He looked petrified. I mean, he, he tried he to do what he could. Yeah, but he he looked he looked scared. But we shouldn't be criticising. No, he sh- this, we shouldn't. This savaging that a young player is getting hundred percent shouldn't have been brought on to chase that game. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and uh, and by I, the way, we had options. And I think the 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 other thing that um, that somebody like uh, at the club had had mentioned to me about um, Emery is he knows his job is on the line this season. He knows it's over. He knows that he's never going to get an elite job in football again. He's back to like Sociedad or Everton levels after this. He will always like lean on senior players. It's his it, because he doesn't want to risk a mistake. But what I don't get with that sort of um, like half baked formula is when you lean on senior players that consistently let you down. Look, you, you're losing anyway. Like why, why invest in mistakes from Jacker? When you could just have, the, at least you can see that Matteo Guendozi has improved season to season. Yep. At least you can see that, like it feels like um, Willock, he he won't like like he'll make a mistake, but he'll straight he'll be straight back in. Maybe not so much with Reese Nelson. I feel like he's got a bit of a, a crisis of confidence. He could do with a bit of the yeah. Eddie Nketiah yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to Leeds, but uh, like I, I think the. Emery has been kind of pushed about a little bit by the powers that be at Arsenal because I don't think he wanted to let Mkhitaryan go and he probably would have got a better performance out of a very shabby Mkhitaryan at the weekend. He's probably cursing that internally, I'd imagine. I I don't see how he could... As someone that claims he looks at data, I don't see how he could have come to that conclusion about Mkhitaryan. Yeah, but I but, but again, it's you know when you think that Emery's looking at data, he's a he's a video analyst. How many how many yeah. times have you looked at the lineup and said I, well, I, right. I don't know what if that's you're the thinking? case? I mean, that's the case. It's one thing being in in the correct position. It's another thing acting on do you know acting on what you're supposed to do. In other words, it's great you're in the position to make the tackle, but if you don't make the tackle, it's useless. Right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so again, all these things need context at the end of the day. But that was just we were bullied off the park. Yeah. Com- uh, like, that was com- like complete, men against boys. Complete uh, and utter fear. But it, but it felt like a, it felt like a fairly simple solution. Just like, if, if, uh, did you watch the Norwich game? I didn't. Right. Unfortunately. And, uh, Norwich are now the, you know, the darlings of yeah, the Premier of League, and they'll be I, that for three months until it collapses. I remember the one that happened in the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that back in the day. Who's that? Chris Sutton when he was at his peak. Um, but I, I, I watched the Norwich game, and look, Norwich. 
could quite easily fall away. They had a very good game, a lot of luck went that way. You know, Aguero putting the ball over the bar from next to no distance. But they had a, like a very clear structure um, in front of goal when City were like 30 yards out. There was clearly defensive midfielders and then they dropped into the defence when City tried to play in through the back. So there was a structure. And the way that they played the ball out, it was fast-paced. It was varied. Yeah. Like you didn't know what was no, quite totally. coming sometimes over and the top. Do you know what was quite interesting? When you looked at us, and actually this was actually said during the game by one of the, either Lee Dixon or the commentator, Arlo White, here. And um, it, it, it's incredibly simple. We don't know how to play without the ball. No. And actually, if you looked at us, you could see the, line, the bank of four for the back four was pretty rigid. I mean, the, I mean, Watford aren't playing the kind of game where you're going to trap them offside anyway, which is fine. But then you looked at the midfield... And they didn't know, am I supposed to be tracking back? Am I supposed to be pressing? Or am I supposed to be marking a man? Yeah. And we were doing none of those things eventually. And it's, the, um, it's, it's also the same in, um, like, in attack. Like, they don't occupy the, the half spaces. There's no, like, there's no way to move the ball up the pitch because people don't move well, into no, the right that, areas. And that's another granite thing. And again... How often is the ball now by accident going sideways? Yeah, or uh, or they they do get out of um, out of that sort of deep build up, and they get close to the halfway line, and then they get blocked in yeah. because the, like the way the way that we set, we're like we're so slow in setting up. Like okay, like everybody stand in your exact positions. Let's wait for Watford to get into their positions and, and make this really difficult for us. And then we play. Instead of, you know, like that fast-paced, totally. it's almost like and by second the way, nature. You've got a guy on there, Mesut Ozil, let's give him a bit of a wide berth this week, who is one of the greatest at splitting apart defences with the ball. Yeah. And it happened, by the way, in the second half, in Be- the first half. Beautiful pass. Beautiful pass. Yes. And actually, you look at the build-ups, the other goal, he was involved as well. It was just these cute little... But if you can't get the ball to him... Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point of spending that money on Ober, Lacquer, Pepe, Meza, all these guys, if you can't give them the ball out in the middle of the park or out wherever? Um, it literally seemed to be get the ball to Kolasinac and let him run down the left wing. But weren't we, you know, weren't we talking about this last season? Catch, catch Kolasinac over, like, on the overlap. He's very effective, at doing that, he's, def- he's defending. Right, let, him, let, him he's def- play in, let him play in midfield. Yeah, he should play in midfield. Let him play in midfield. His, totally. his, uh, his defensive, um, his defensive skills aren't quite out there. But I think he's a he's a he's a bit of a chance machine. He's very uh, would, he's very direct. Would but... you go back to playing a back three? I think you could consider that with uh, a Tierney and Bellerin. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think and um, holding. Yeah, and if you had holding. Um, Speaking of which, you know, Holding had a very similar experience to the one we're talking about on uh, the Reese Nelson piece. Do you remember that game? He, he he was absolutely destroyed when he was a kid in his first season. He didn't play again in the first team for six or seven months. That's the kind of effect you can have. Yeah, and we well, know these people are talented. Yeah. So, uh, but again, banking on are we are because he is. I genuinely think he's quality, but. At the moment, we seem to be saying that one part of a quick fix is Rob Holding coming back from injury. It's not. It, the, it's, the problem feels deeper than that now, and I think 
we were wildly exposed exposed at the weekend. And I don't even think it was Watford getting a bump from having a new manager or a returning manager. I don't think any of that was there. We were literally destroyed by Etienne Capu, who was a shithouse player at Spurs that couldn't get a game. Yeah. And it's um, you're right, it's not, it's not actually a simple solution because um, we've stopped pressing. And in the Premier League, if you don't press, you're dead. Um, we are making consistent errors. And I know that people say, ah, you can't coach out errors. You can create um, situations on the pitch where it's less likely that you're going to make an error because you're not overloaded or you're not in the wrong position or you're not you know, caught out in bad situations. So uh, I, I think the communication, like Alan Smith came out and said that people I think don't the communication's understand. communication's key. Because it's he- complex Henry, ideas, right? Well, Henry Winter in the Times said, and this is someone that, you know, probably spends most weeks at a press conference with our manager, right? Mm-hmm. Or a, a disproportionately high number of weeks. And he said his English hasn't really kicked on in 12 months. No. I know, and I know people in the press that say that going to his press conferences well, it's, are really dull. Well, they and, are. Have you watched yeah, one? They're, yeah. they're, they are literally the eight phrases he came out with the second week. And people will say, yeah, well, it's not important what the press think. But look, if, if the press, whose job is to be interested in these things, are bored by Unai Emery, what do you think a bunch of 20-year-olds are thinking? Like, I, 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 I've, I've, I heard um, before the Liverpool game, when we just signed all these players... Uh, the training camp had never been so buzzing. Yeah. Like, what, in the last few years at least. Yep. And now it's back to being a shit show. It's morbid. Well, here's the other thing I heard. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I give the sort of the, the print media and the broadcast media in the UK a lot more credit because I think a lot of... I've, I've done work in those circles and I think a lot of people don't realise how difficult it is to get those stories and you don't, li- you don't make them up. They may be spun, that's fine, you know, that's interesting. But the fact that apparently in the row in the dressing room after the game, Emery was unable to control his players, I'd have just literally walked them in there and said, right, shut the fuck up, no one speaks, training ground 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Oba, you'll have the day off. Mesut, you'll have the day off. Pepe, you'll have the day off. The rest of you are coming in. But I, I just don't think he's a leader of men. I, do, I just... He, I mean, it, it begs the question of modern coaching, right? I mean, do... Well, they're not managers anymore. They're head coaches, right? And do they need to be leaders of men? Of course they do. Yeah, you've got to control... You've got to control millionaires that are probably not particularly well educated. And, and haven't got any affinity with the club they're playing for. So they're, they're at work. We, we spoke about this a few weeks ago about the dangers of outsourcing your communication to Freddie Lundberg. If like, that's it, indeed the case. Yeah. What, um, uh, Joe, Joe Willock said in the press, that's, you know, the manager doesn't talk to us. Freddie Lundberg does it for us. Um, that's a, that's, a, that's a, an indictment of, of well, your... Well, then what's Emery doing? Give Freddie yeah. the job. Yeah. And, I, I, and I, think the, I think that we're in a very worrying situation because... I, I don't I don't see how he gets out of this hole because the the un, and I've heard the the Arsenal's underlying statistics their secret statistics that they have are damning on every single level, um, which is 
bad news. But well, I mean, but they're, what, they're, what else could they say? Yeah, they're, but they're they're filtering they're filtering through to to the press as we speak, anyway. So I can't imagine what the what the fancy statistics say. And then uh, you, the statistics that we've got, the team aren't pressing, which to me either says that the manager switched off or the players aren't listening. Um, players are making errors, which means that they don't understand the system that they're playing in. We're not winning games. Um, which is the, you know, the biggest indictment that you could have. Yeah, totally. Emery couldn't even get players motivated for Europa League final. And uh, he has a good squad this season. There's no excuses. I agree. There are, line, right? there are no excuses. Now, by the way, you know, you lose that game, but you go down fighting and you don't let yourself be overrun. This is a different... We didn't lose. Let's just remember that we drew. All right, fair enough. You know, if say one of our goals was really bloody lucky and then one of their goals was really lucky and it was a fairly even-handed affair, it wasn't. It was a one-sided game that we were in charge of at half-time against the league's bottom club. And the league table doesn't lie. But even even at half-time, we were, you know, we were open. We had a porous midfield again. Yep. And I, I I don't know how Emery gets himself out of the trouble because we're not it's not even cold yet it's 26 degrees at the weekend and I know that people don't think that's important but when it starts getting cold and the games start coming thick and fast and you're out in butt fuck nowhere in a in a Europa League game yeah. and then you're picking up a draw and I think he's invited a Trojan horse into the club with a player like David Luiz David Luiz has seen off better managers with bigger personalities the, oh, the Unai Emery, totally. and he is a divisive character, and he's being exposed as a, as a as a bad player at the moment. And it won't last long before he's he's huge personality. It won't last long before he starts like getting in the ears of people. And he played that one season under him, didn't he? Yeah, and he must he must have connections to the the top hierarchy in the club because that move that he got from Chelsea is. Batshit crazy. I, I'm assuming he knows Edu. Yeah, so there, there must either be a connection with Edu or Raul, and he'll be starting the the whispering tours. So let's let's go back to the first one, first podcast that you, Matt, and I did of the season, which I believe was the second one, right? Yeah. And I think we may have mentioned at the time that we had been in the pub before, during, and after that podcast. Yeah. And later on. I think the three of us were stood at a bar and we did say this, that none of us thought Emery would be manager of Arsenal in January. Yeah. And at the moment, that's ringing true. But I didn't think... It would be now. I didn't, I didn't yeah, think yeah. the halo of all those signings would wear off. Until, almost, until kind of Christmas when it got yeah serious. Or, almost almost yeah, instantly. Yeah. New, yeah. Newcastle was... Burnley was like, okay, well, we got the win, but conceding 18 shots was quite bad. Um, Liverpool was a disaster. Um, Spurs were at a low, low ebb, and we still couldn't finish them off. But when you're playing in a derby game, like getting fired up for that's a lot easier than not playing a derby game. Yeah, no, and, 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 you, and I just know, think maybe that was, that was that that carried them over the line. And it's quite, like we almost have a, the, a slight reversal of the problem that we had under Arsene Wenger. He can get players up for important games, but he's, he, like, he really struggles with some of yeah. these, these little smaller teams. Yeah. And that's also where we struggled. The, the Spurs game is interesting in the sense that we were dominating that game when we conceded both those goals in the first half. Yeah. And it was a slightly different game. I mean, with the way we played, the way we came out the gates there, the way Tottenham was set, 
totally fine with that. And I know we're away from home and we've got to play slightly differently, which I agree with. But it just, it looked like, did, did they think they'd done the job and we didn't need to bother in the second half? Or, but you can't let that rot set in in the club. You can't let that no. mindset set in the club. And it, Arsenal are all about creating this like high performance culture. That's why we've got people like Hus Fami in from Team Sky. That's why we've got Edu in from Brazil. They're trying to create this high performance yep. culture that everyone talks about in elite sport. Um, but like as you'll know, even in business, like even in advertising, you if you have one bad apple in a team of twenty people, if it, it rots, totally. it's, it's it's like a totally. Uh, it's like a uh, but there's, cancer. There's, totally. And I think there's another way of looking at it, right? Which is, uh, there's a great quote from Sir Clive Woodward after, he, after winning the World Cup in 2003, which I think he uses in his book, which is when he came into England, he says, there's no point in improving one thing by 100%. It's never going to help you. You've got to improve 100 things by 1%, right? Right. And at the moment, we've improved half the stuff. Yeah, and the rest is which makes it actually it exacerbates that problem, so it makes the bad stuff look really, really bad. Yeah, and but if if you if you truly believe in uh you know a high performance culture, and you make and it keeps on coming back to it, but I do think it's symptomatic when you make Jacker your your most important person on the pitch, it it all falls down. You're making the most important person on the pitch, and essentially off the pitch. And you, you got the you got the guy that was starting fights in the tunnel against Crystal Palace, who was you know doing the team bus team talk. He's still there. You've got the um, our our sports psychologist Dave Priestley, who has overseen one of the most spectacular declines in mental strength of any sports club in the last four years. He's still there. Like all of these bad people, all these bad characters hanging around the stadium. Like I was, I, I don't, Edu's still got time to, oh, totally. to, to I, make I, I, some no, moves. That, that, that triumvirate that are running the football thing at the top now, I think they're largely untouched. They're, they're at the moment, but I, I, but I will tell you, uh, I have, I think I think that there might be a little bit of wool being pulled over the eyes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Raul is everything that we think he is at the moment. And I am still. I think the jury is really going to be out on Edu to see where he moves. I think Raul is winning at the moment by just doing normal things. Yeah, getting know? the look, and which is first stage. But like totally, we, we're like, oh, oh my god, we stopped a player going away on international duty. He's elite. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Like that's just a standard and I think, and function. I think, I think the reason I say they're untouched is to build a platform. You need, you do need time. You it's do. It's not yeah. going to be one window that fixes it. And you know, Raúl came, but he was still sort of working alongside the weird thing with you know, kind of anger. And then Emery came, and it was all quite late in the day, and the budgets were all over the place, and. Okay, the owners had a different view on how we leverage our financing this time round, etc., etc., etc. So there are things that have contributed to that. But again, after the window we've had, we actually sat here in this room. We were happy, still happy, still happy, and that includes, by the way, the David Luiz signing. Yes, right. But the blokes had three fucking men- meltdowns on on the field. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think the. It's going to be interesting how to see how this season plays out. Um, the thing that I like about Raul is 
he is making himself accountable. If he's spending next year's Premier League money, he's made himself accountable. He's put his neck on the line, Close. which Ivan Gazidis didn't do in 10 years. So I'm happy about that. Edu has come in from, um, from Brazil. Uh, I, like, it would be very interesting to see how he adapts to the game. I think the big, the big thing for both of them is if, if the Emery uh, train continues to like, veer off the rails... How quickly do you make a decision? And then the big question that's going to tell us a lot about the type of Arsenal that we're going to see over the next 10 years is who do they replace with? Because my concern is that Jose Mourinho is is waiting in the shadows and we're going to move for someone like him. And I I think that that is exactly following the path of Man United. They signed David Moyes. Emery is the Spanish David Moyes. Um, Then... The David Moyes, which is kind of a midway, you're taking a chance, you're not taking a chance, safe bet manager, they fail. The fans demand a winner. So you go out and you say, who's a winner out here? Louis Van Howe says, I'm the winner. And then he's a toxic like piece of shit. And then he brings the club down further. And then it's like, we need another winner. And then it's Mourinho and you make bad decision after bad decision no, I... when the game doesn't demand it now. So I think, I think, um, I think we're a different club to some of those. Um, I totally see where you're coming from. And it, I think you're right. It's very easy to fall into that trap. So I actually looked at the odds uh, probably about six hours ago. So he's five to one to be sacked. Yeah, Emery. I know, right? It's, uh, right? It's a bookie so he's league. moved into the top, I think top six or top seven. Yeah. Um, and then replacements were uh, this a uh, few hours ago. It was five to one Arteta. Yep. Six to one Allegri and eight to one Freddie. I think Freddie would be an absolute disaster. I think it's too soon. I think. I, I and think, sorry, Vieira was slightly behind Freddie. I think Allegri, Allegri makes sense because he's a pragmatist, but he can actually do it. But would he not? Would he come into an environment where he, he clearly is not going to have total control? I think that he's used to working in an environment like that because he did that at Juventus. Juventus. Um, and he's he's going to want to get back into top football, and he's seen that Arsenal have just spent a load of money. I think that he would he could get he he would straighten out the defence, and I think that he would get us winning. I would take his sort of pragmatism over Mourinho's because Alleg- oh, 100%. because Allegri is classy. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree you know? with that. Yeah, I am. Um, am I the only person that thinks that we should have just taken Kadira on a free? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's high, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But. Well, I, I kind of thought that we might take Kadira on a free, um, not necessarily because he'd play a lot, but because I thought... Well, the influence you lose, he has, yeah, right? You, yeah, you lose Licksteiner, and then you bring in Kadira, yeah. and then it's just having having a, 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 a World Cup winner. He might have fixed Mesut for us as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the, uh, on the managerial front, because I know you're desperate to hear um, who my um, wildcard favourites are, I, I, you know, I'm not going to keep on talking about Arteta because I know everybody gets upset. Um, I think managers that we should potentially be looking at, I think Lucien Favre at uh, um, Borussia Dortmund is, I, I think he did a fantastic job last season, works well with young players and always gets teams playing above their value from an XG perspective. I think um, Marco, uh, Marco Rose, um, who just took over at Gladbach um, from the Mines. Uh, the Mines Academy has played under Red Bull, loves playing exciting attacking football, and also think Fonseca. 
um, who moved to Italy, I yeah, believe. Yeah, Fonseca's interesting, actually. He did great stuff at Shakhtar. Like, plays some yeah. incredible football. No, I think, I think Fonseca's actually the more interesting out of those names. I'm not sure the Dort- going back into the Dortmund pickings is the... I know, yeah, but no, but he, but he's um, he's been all round, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he's I know. Switzerland. I think he's he was. What's a, interesting he was about the, nice. What's interesting about all the other names, the Allegri stuff and whatever is, they're available. Well, it, it, if you just if you bring in Allegri, uh, he's gonna he's gonna structure the defense and he's gonna work out a way of like. It, it, oh no! In my in my head, if Allegri comes in, when you say he's gonna structure the defense, they're gonna be there playing under floodlights at two in the morning. He's definitely got a whip in his hand. Yes, but the, the, and I uh, think like, maybe that's what they might need. The 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 football um, like the the only question that you've got is whether uh, whether the players will respond. But I, I don't think that they will respond well to Mourinho. I think that Allegri is a different beast. No, I think we have a good like. A broader, ignore it's hard to ignore the issue we're trying to discuss. But if you kind of isolate it as an issue around the management and the first team coaches, I think the culture, the tone, and what you're hearing out the club elsewhere, we don't have a problem. I really do think that the, I think there is a bit of a buzz for the first time for the right reasons. I don't think we should throw everything out of the water from what we've seen. I think. The manager's the one that has to be held to account because these are things that are happening on match days under his control. Um, so the idea that, you know, we haven't got a good environment around the youth, all that kind of stuff, I don't think is fair. And I think if you do bring in a Mourinho, whatever, I think that gets affected throughout the club, like you said. Like, leaving like, Per doing a perfectly good job at the academy. Baldy's had a great run, by the way, looking after the under-23s. They're playing super well at the moment. Um... All those other bits, I think, around it are fine. I don't even think you touch the Rowles and the Edus and the everyone else. I think the buck has to stop in this particular scenario. How can you let a team that you're in charge of play like that in one half of football? And when you see it going on, do you sit there kind of taciturn on the bench doing very little about it? At least, he, at least Arsene would be getting up on his feet and complaining to the fourth but, official about something. But I think Emery, uh, at his core, is scared. And I think he's always been scared. And I think that sometimes you get well, into a job... what's he scared job. of? Because the reality is, if he doesn't fix this, he hasn't got a job. I mean, he hasn't yeah, got a contract at the I, end I of the season. That, I think that that fear can sometimes be paralysing. And, I th- and I, 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 he looks... He looks paralyzed and when he gets paralyzed he becomes indecisive and then you're just not sure where to go like last year he was being accused of a tinker man and now he kind of seems to just let it run so he can't find that balance no i think it's a balance issue i think balance is the right word and i think obviously competent i think he is competent you don't i think by the way you know everyone says he lost um a dead set you know a, a certain thing in his first year in france i'm not sure he did one horse race. Yeah, I, I don't that. think it was. I, I say Mon- that all the time. I thought Monaco was. I thought they were phenomenal that side. And you look at the players that have been sold out of that side and how much money they've recouped. They were a phenomenal side that year. Secondly, it was a new manager coming into a completely different environment. You know, you've done sort of tier two slash tier one clubs, and he's going to the best of the best, where the expectation is the world. Quite simply put unlimited funds, unlimited resources. You've got high egos that were arguing against each other on the field of play. And by the way, he didn't lose it with a month to go. He lost it the last two weeks of the season. So I think 
again, if you're giving someone some generosity, I think there's that there. I think when you look back at the stats, which none of us did, right, honestly, at the time. I fucking did. And you look at what's happening now, I think it all correlates, right? And I think, fair play to you, that's, that's, that's fine. We were all surprised by the decision, but I think a lot of us were surprised by the decision in a pleasant way because we did all have our concerns about Mikel Arteta. Yeah. Being too too wet behind the ears to pick it straight up again. Yeah, and those points about Arteta were completely justified. Yeah, but if if you give, I still stand by them. Yeah, I think if you give me the choice of um, an exciting, innovative coach with like Pep education that everyone in the game seems to be talking about over someone that is being accused of being boring, pragmatic, and can't sort out a defense. Um, I think that I would take the Arteta. I would rather I would rather waste the first year um, on on a young hot manager bringing Manchester City vibes I, to Arsenal. I go back to the. I, it's got to be Vieira for me. I mean, he's got managerial experience. He hasn't taken the hugest job, which was very smart. I think it's exceptionally really, smart. Really smart. He got himself out of the US because he was clearly interviewing for jobs in the continent. Um, and wasn't getting them. And I think there was a fear that the jump from the MLS to any of the other major European leagues was just too big. You know, you're almost like, go and blood yourself at a championship club. You've got more of a chance of coming up that way. So he's gone to, you know, a nice job in France. Again, that's going to that's gonna test him with the Ineos guy with all his money. But again, you know, he started well. He's lost, right, he's lost two games. But I think you take more of a risk with someone like him and then maybe bring in Arteta alongside him because they know each other from City. Do they? A bit. Yeah, they do a bit, yeah. Well, there was some crossover. And leave Freddie there. I think, actually, maybe that's a better answer. But that, again, I don't think there's any silver bullet. Any manager that comes in, or whether they come in or not, you've, you're with you a lot. I mean, the squad's the squad. But it's a good one this time. It's a much I, I, better I still one, think right? so. I, I think... But I do think if you caretaker this, you can't oh, caretaker. You can't, you can't you, caretaker you, it. You can't. You, well, it's almost an admission that we're not going to finish fourth. But or in the top but, four. But, but, but what I mean is, um, you should probably hire someone that's got a track record of fixing and improving things in the very, very quick. Yeah, in a very quick turnaround time. Yeah, and um, yeah, I get. I, I, but that, so that that was my point about Raúl and Edu. Like they're they're still in the honeymoon period, but. Big decisions are coming up for them because you What's, you can't blow fourth yeah. in a year when there are really only four teams what's, in it. That what's really be. interesting when you look at kind of the big six where they've had these kinds of issues and they've had to bring someone in, else in. Now, Chelsea have always turned to Van Gaal, but apart from the time they couldn't. And they went with, do you remember, Di Matteo. Matteo. They brought a next player in. Turns, yeah. out, turns out he did quite a good job, won the Champions League and then got a contract. Uh, you look at um, United, they did the same as Solskjaer. Yeah, had a, had a nice little run. Had a nice little run, they've given the job permanently. But I think, I, I think I, good I, ideas I think, has think, to un- underpin this, though. Good ideas, and right? And I think that's the risk with the Arteta Vieira kind of... I, I think Vieira is a slightly different class because he is managing a decent-sized football club elsewhere. I think that's the risk with the Freddie problem. I think that's a problem with the Arteta thing. You give it to them now, and they may be great, but it's a bit like the Joe Willett conversation and the Reese Nelson conversation. Are we exposing them too soon? Yeah. Is there enough? Of the, and you're just riding the bump and the honeymoon from the new 
and put in, put put in, in the club, the, you know, putting them in a bad environment. Yeah, and it's it's difficult to lift people, um, especially when you're when you're new. You'd ha- if you were to take a Vieira or an Arteta, you would have to pair them with a very senior coach, which is why I would imagine if we're like if we do get into a caretaker situation, the the money would really have to be on someone like Allegri. He's not working. Come in. Yeah, we'll I agree. You, we'll give no, you four million dollars, and because. It, like the the team is kind of set well for him, right? Like a, a dre- like create a structure that works for the defense in midfield, and then don't worry if the football isn't mesmeric in the first season because you've got someone like Obama Yang. If we can keep clean sheets, you got you got a seventy percent chance of winning, right? Well, well let, uh, totally. And let's be very clear: we don't fix this. There ain't going to be no Obama Yang next season. There ain't no. going to be no Lacazette next season. No. No, I think I think that if we don't we don't make top four this season, I think that there's going to be a well, a, we're going to have to start clearing the wage bill for a start. Yeah, and secondly, those players won't want to be around because Josh Kroenke is on a PR spin. He's not putting his hand into his pocket. Of course, he's you not. know there will have to be and a that's correction. Totally fine, right? Yeah, it's totally fine. If you're going to like just shift the needle on the books to make it easier, that's a that's a perfectly acceptable business strategy. But if it doesn't pay off, you have to make the hard decisions. I don't even think it'll be an issue around us clearing the wage bill. I think those players will want to leave. Yeah, and we're quite... uh, Actually, I say that we're lucky that we haven't really had superstar players wanting to leave, but Aubameyang is... like he looks. Aubameyang will get into any side in Europe. Yeah, and it's just a shame because you're like, ah, if we just had an attacking system that could truly unleash him and he didn't have so few chances in a game... Like he's a you know thirty thirty five goals a season. Like he's we're guaranteed top four if well, you can just create is, a system for him. I would just look at his numbers. They don't lie. Yeah, and it's easy for him, and he doesn't even rely on pace. I know that people think that he does, but you look at no, his goals. He's not. He's it's, just. It's just. He's, he's movement. A natural goal scorer. Yeah, it's got like the movement of uh, of a. a, a he's got that sixth sense like Trezeguet had. Yes. Always be in the yeah, right position. Yeah, totally. Just sniffs it out. Yeah, totally. And if um, and, and you know Pepe, I know that Pepe's struggling a little bit at the moment, but like he's he's dithering in a system that's dithering. Yes. You know, he doesn't really know how to totally. play. I think the but uh, like just bring back Tierney and Bellerin. Uh, let's get holding in there. Let's let's try and get a little bit more solidity into the side. Because I, I still uh, we, think we need to fix the midfield, yeah. even if especially if those guys come in, because we can't just expect them to do the job by being better than the people that they've taken over from. See, the, my one last point is: to, um are we overreacting? Is this a massive overreaction, or is this is this a, a year's worth of seeing this and seeing where it is after a few games? That's my I, thing. I don't think we're overreacting, largely because of the player reaction, because of what your captain comes out and says live on television. We were scared. Why were you scared? So I don't think we're overreacting. There's clearly a problem. For him to go out and say that live, without me, you know... It, you're, you're right, it's damning. That it's is a, totally that is damning. damning. It's embarrassing. Imagine Tony Adams. But he'd never have said that. He'd no. have said it in the dressing room. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Adams would have come out and said, look, we weren't good enough today. I apologise to the fans. We need to go back in there, starting tomorrow morning at the training ground, and we need to fix this. And if you'd heard yeah. that from Granite, 
I'd said, yes, mate, too bloody right. But he didn't. He came out and said, we, we were scared. And like, you're effectively throwing your coach under the bus. But not only that, everyone on the field, especially yourself, for not showing any leadership qualities. Yeah. Coward. He's a oh, coward. Okay. But, He's a total coward. But we've always known it. Oh, yeah. No and, it, and it wasn't it, it wasn't like we only just learnt that last season. We knew the season before. We knew it for two seasons before. <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, that, that, that was therapeutic. I'm glad that we got that out. Um, we've got uh, a game at the weekend. No, we've got oh, a no. game on Thursday. We've got Frankfurt. Thursday. We've got Frankfurt um, on Thursday. Fantastic. Rest of the weekend. And then uh, Villa at home a week on Sunday. Very exciting. Okay, well, thank you for joining, and I will I will catch up with you on the next podcast. See you later, mate. See you later. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? That could take me a while to calculate. In the meantime, you should think about over-the-counter Contour Next test strips. You get 35 for $19.99, and they're highly accurate. For full details, visit contournext.com slash radio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.